Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you tuned in to Calvary Live and are listening today. You just heard that call-in number, 303-690-3000, that you can call in and ask your questions and give your prayer requests. And, of course, Calvary Live is the program where you, the listener, get to call in, and that's what we like for you to do. I'll give you another way for you to be able to communicate a question or a prayer request through a dedicated text line, but we really like you to call in. So grab one of those open lines, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. It works anywhere in the country. Give me a call. Good afternoon. Good evening, perhaps, if you're listening uh, on the East Coast, or uh, maybe perhaps some of you are listening uh, on the Grace FM website, uh, across the ocean. Maybe it's the next day, and it's always wonderful to see those uh, who are listening in from South Africa or perhaps Ukraine or South uh, Korea, or we've even had uh, at times Saudi Arabia, wherever it might be. Uh, we are so glad that we can connect together. Technology allows us to do that. So welcome, welcome on this Tuesday afternoon here in Greeley, Colorado, where I am broadcasting from. My name is Jeff Figs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley. have the privilege to host Calvary Live on Mondays and Tuesdays. So blessed to be with you on this day. So give me a call. Love to hear from you, see how you're doing, answer your questions. Maybe a question has come up in your Bible reading or teaching that you heard and you want some clarity and understanding and maybe perhaps... Uh, uh, you heard um, some conversation going on with family members or friends, and you're just wondering how you can minister to them. So give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the number um, to call. And I will give you a text line for you to be able to ask a question or to give a prayer request. And we are here to pray with you, uh, to minister to you. This is not only uh, answering your questions the best we know how, taking you to the Word of God. But we want to be also able to um, to minister to you through prayer because many of you, perhaps, uh, you need prayer, something heavy on your heart. And so we want to be able to minister to you in that way. Um, so give me a call, 303-690-3000. The call in the text line is 720-336-0897. So text me a message or a prayer request. Again, Jeff Figs from Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado with you. The hour goes by fast, so get one of those questions in or a prayer request as we go along. We're going to go ahead and go to Judah in Brighton. Hi, Judah. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Thanks for calling. Hey, I wanted to ask you um, about the language of the New Testament and why it was written in Greek, I guess my question, to be a little bit more specific, it makes sense to me that the letters would be Greek, given that 
um, as Frank said, that that was the language of the day. But I'm kind of curious, like, with the Gospels, and and especially with Luke's, because Luke was almost certainly educated enough to know Hebrew. I imagine they all did. But with the Gospels, knowing that they're writing about the fulfillment of all this prophecy, why would they not write it in Hebrew? Yeah, and I think there's the New Testament, because the Bible in the New Testament was going to go to the Gentiles. So the Hebrew scriptures, of course, was for the Old Testament, you know, and, you know, Paul talks about that, that uh, that when he's writing about his brethren, that you guys, you were given the oracles, you were given the prophecies, you were given all of that. But you make a point, like, for example, Matthew was written uh, his gospel to the Jewish audience, right? And it right, okay. brings up a, a, a lot of prophecy, right? Um, and it brings up a lot of prophecy um, that, uh, quoting from Isaiah, quoting from the Old Testament, so the emphasis was to show that Jesus is the King of Kings, that he fulfilled those prophecies. Um, Luke, when he wrote his gospel, is to show that Jesus was uh, the perfect man, and he's writing to the Greek audience, because uh, Luke was okay. Greek. There's a lot, a lot of people out there that think that Luke was one of the apostles. He wasn't one of the apostles. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, the, he wrote the Book of Acts. He is mentioned, and you touched on this, that uh, he probably did know Hebrew and could have been, some believe that the writer of Hebrews, that it, it was, um, you know, uh, perhaps uh, Paul that wrote it, translated by Luke um, in Greek, it, whatever the case may be. So Luke was a very brilliant man. But I, I think that, you know, as the... Uh, the New Testament would spread the letters, you know, throughout the Roman Empire that they were written in Greek. And it was uh, pretty much, very much the language uh, of that time. So Hebrew scriptures, uh, Old Testament, the Greek and the New Testament, and, um, you know, it was common in a sense. And, uh, and it was something that I think that it would just ended up being written in. Yeah, okay. I uh, I think you kind of touched on, you know, one of the thoughts that I had is the audience is obviously very important. So if you're yeah. writing to the Greek audience, you'd use the Greek language. But then you just right. touched on another point, that if you're writing to the Hebrew audience, why would you still continue to use Greek? But Yeah, yeah but I, I think... You know, you could look at a historical perspective, too. You remember that, you know, after, you know, the Babylonians came in, took them away captive, they come back. After the Babylonians, you read the book of Daniel, you know, then came um, the Medo-Persian Empire, um, and then came the Greek Empire, and Alexander the Great, and he conquered the civilized world in his time, and he spread the Greek language and culture. The Greek language and culture was very, very... um, you know, uh, dominant at that time, even though um, it was the Romans that came in during the time of Jesus and the Romans that ruled the known world when those New Testament books were penned. But it was very Greek language was the most common and persuasive international language of the day. And since most people could understand it, uh, it was suited to proclaim God's word in the gospel in those letters. So uh, that's that's why I think that we can say that it makes sense that they 
used Greek in the New Testament. Yeah, I like that. That does make sense. Well, I really appreciate you letting me pick your brain about that. You bet. You had a good question. And, um, and uh, you know, it's wonderful to, to know that um, these writers, you know, I, I like to say, and you know this, Judah, it was written in Hebrew, written in Greek. There was really one author that wrote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and that was the Holy right. Spirit. Is He moved these holy men to write these things down. And that's what's so incredible about the Scripture. So appreciate your question. Thanks, Judah. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Have a good day. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. And so give me a call. When somebody hangs up, there's always an open line. So we got one open line right now. The text line is 720-336-0897. So text me a question or a prayer request. Let's go to Michelle in in Byers. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you out there on the plains? I'm doing good. It actually just started pouring rain, which is awesome. That's good. You know, we we need it out here on the plains, and the mountains have gotten a whole bunch, but but you know, it gets dry out here in high plains, and it's a blessing to have. Yes, it is definitely. Yeah, except during harvest time, right? Oh goodness, yeah, <laughs> poor harvesters. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do for you today? Um, so you know, my question is: Does God change His mind? Well, I, I think, you know, God, Isaiah comes along and says he knows the end from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. God is sovereign. His His word is true. We know that as we look at the scriptures and as I ponder this question. And as we consider that, um, you know, God knows what he's going to do. He has a sovereign will. Mm-hmm. I think the better question, the way to put it is, can God relent? For example... I think an example of what you might be thinking of is, remember that the Lord told Moses that Moses stand by when they made the golden calf and they started dancing naked around it? And and God said, okay, uh, Moses, your people sinned a great sin. Um, I'm going to destroy them. And Moses said, Lord, don't destroy them. Remember the promise you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um what would the other nations say that you brought your people out in the wilderness just for you to destroy them? So the Lord relented uh, of of destroying them. But I think it wasn't that the Lord said, oh, you know, I was a little hasty and kind of angry um, and a little bit going to make this, you know, destroy them out of my burning anger without really thinking about it. We do stuff like that. We change our minds all the time. The Lord mm-hmm. knew that he wasn't going to destroy them, but he relented. And, and um, we know that in the histories uh, of the kings, there were times where he was going to bring judge, judgment, but he relented at the time. So I don't think it's so much that he changes his mind like you and me. When we think of, do we change, I change my mind all the time. You know, what I want for breakfast, you know, uh, what I want to do. But God... He is sovereign. He's all-knowing. He's all-perfect. Uh, I don't fully understand it, but I like to think of it that he relents, uh, even though he knows that he wasn't going to destroy um, the children of Israel. I think he was allowing Moses to really um, understand 
have a heart for the people because Moses, he goes back up on the mountain. He says, Lord, forgive them their sin. If not, um, blot me out of the book of life. And I think the Lord just had a little smile on his face, if you would, because, you know, Moses didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. He said, send somebody else. I stutter. I don't want to deal with these people. And all of a sudden, Moses had a heart for the people. And so the Lord was working in that way in Moses' life and, and you know, just displaying how Moses, um, you know, had a heart for God and had a heart for the people and, uh, and being that shepherd that God was making him. It's like Abraham. Remember God told Abraham um, that go to the mountain that I'm going to show you and sacrifice your son. And then when Abraham was about ready to plunge the knife into uh, the chest of Isaac, uh, he said, stop, now I know that you love God. God knew that uh, that Abraham loved him, but it says that he tested Abraham. So uh, there's testing that goes on where, you know, he relents. Um, you know, prayer is important. When the people repent, uh, he would relent, but he knows all things. So uh, I, I guess I'm saying, does God change his mind? Um, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but um, he is all sovereign and knowing and, and relents and and um, and I got to kind of leave it at that. He just really sometimes, well, a lot of time, like how he did with Moses and how he did with Abraham is he wanted to, maybe it's a test of our faithfulness to him, right? Sometimes just yeah. to see and our character because he already knows. So he's trying to teach us something in that sense. You know, and here's the thing. He doesn't change his mind when it comes to like, his promises to to us. In Romans chapter 11, he says, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable or without repentance. In other words, God had made a promise, and, and in that context of Romans chapter 11, it's talking about the restoration of, of Israel, that in that day all of Israel will be saved, Paul says. And then he goes on and says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So it isn't like he gives us a promise and then he changes his mind. Well, that promise isn't for you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And that's what I love about the Word of God is that we can stand on the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't change. Um, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when it comes to his truth, when it comes to his promises, when it comes to his precepts, uh, his commandments, those don't change. And it isn't like God comes along and says, well, you know, uh, culture's different now, so we're not going to call this sin when the Word of God calls it sin. This promise is no longer applicable to you guys anymore. I changed my mind. So God doesn't change his mind in that way. Um, his Word is true. It stands firm. Uh, heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will never pass away. And so that's the other side of the coin that I want to make sure that, that you understand, Michelle. He doesn't change his word. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't say, you know, I, I, I changed my mind, you know, and the promises that he gives to us. His promises stand. And that brings me comfort because I can go to the word of God. It's absolute truth, all of it. And I can stand on his word and I can stand on his promises. And I know that God's not going to change it. Perfect. Very good. Well, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. You bet, Michelle, and I appreciate you calling. Have a good night. God bless you. You bet. Good night. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. 
love for you to call and and um you know that's the wonderful thing about god's word doesn't change and we need to always remember that there are those who will come along and think that you know it changes but it doesn't change and uh and that brings me great comfort in, in knowing that uh the text line is 7203360897 and we have a couple open lines we got one open line. So grab that open line. Let's continue with the phone calls. Let's go to Chuck in Kiowa. Hello. Hi, Chuck. Hey, how are you, sir? Thank you for the wonderful um, words you always put on the program. Well, thank you for calling. So my my question comes, I heard um, on the on the way to work the other, on probably last week, out of uh, Exodus 22, verse 21 through 24, if you wouldn't mind reading that so everybody can understand where I'm coming from. So Exodus 22, and again... 21 through 24. Let me get there. So here it's speaking, I believe, as I get there, um, it speaks of... um, It starts out the chapter, Responsibility for Property then the moral and ceremonial principles. Verse 21 of chapter 22, you shall not neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way, and they uh, cry at, at all, uh, cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry. In verse 24, and my wrath will be hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. Is that what you're looking for? Absolutely. So, so I was brought up at uh, in a men's group I go to. What was on my mind? <clears throat> so I brought that up. And the first thing was um, why, what, the, what that actually pertained to during my day. And I said, well, it was on my heart because I thought it was a pretty powerful message. And it was kind of told to me that, well, that was written, you know you know, for laws that God wrote towards Moses back in, you know, before Jesus came, and then the New Testament was written. And I'm kind of getting the inclination that, you know, people are telling me that, you know, the Old Testament is, you know, old, and it's not to be taken, you know, as serious as the New Testament was written. That's still the Mm -hmm. gospel and the law that God wrote, regardless if it was before Jesus. Right. Yeah, and and the um, the thing is this is that when you read the law that was given to the children of Israel, they just came out of slavery, didn't they? Four hundred years of being in slavery. So God, He says in His Word, and here's the thing: as Christians, we're not under the law. You can go through this chapter, and there's a lot of principles uh, in there about um, you know. Uh, ceremonial laws, there's moral laws, all those things. And it was given to the children of Israel in that this is how you're to treat a stranger. It came to slavery, the same thing, things like that. And so that's how they were to run their society when they went into the promised lands. That's why they were given the law. And God shows his heart in this. And when I read this, this is what I get. He shows his heart to the stranger, the widow, um, he has a heart for them, and that's what I see as I go through this. 
you can go to the New Testament, and in the New Testament, James, he begins to talk to um, the Christians there. And he says that um, that this is, i, I got to find it, but he talks about this is true religion, and he talks about the orphans and the widows and to minister to them. And I know I'll find it here if I just find it. And he says that's what true religion is. So James comes along, and he confirms that it is the Lord that is has a heart for the widows, has a heart for the orphans, has a heart for the poor, and he right. says don't oppress them. Um, don't, you know, in chapter 5, uh, don't oppress, you know, others because just because you're rich. He speaks about don't judge a brother. He talks about humility and worldliness, um, pride and all of that. So he's touching on these things that you and I should be living. So there are those who say we're not under the law. I, I know that. But we do know that we see God's heart in this, and that is he does have a heart for the stranger. He has a heart for the widows, and he has a heart for, you know, the fatherless. And uh, people need to know that. Right. So it would still be relevant in, in today's world, even though we are in the New Testament, correct? Yeah, it's relevant to us. But here's the thing. there, You know, the Lord says, I'll kill you with a sword. So it isn't like, you know, um, as he's talking about, a society is to have caring for the weak, the poor. That's what America is all about. And so there's this big debate about, you know, um, influx of immigrants and all of this. And it's an opportunity for us to be able to minister to others, those who are homeless. There's all kinds of debate about that. For the Christian, we're going to see things differently than the political perspective or from, you know, society. And that is what the Scripture says, that we are to care for others, to give to others. And and you see that throughout the Church age. Hospitals were built because of Christians. Uh, orphanages were built because the Christians started because of Christians caring for the orphans, um, and then, you know, to be able to care for others. There's a vast, you know, ministry, such as Samaritan person, others, that will go and help those who have need. And so we do see things differently. Um, we see things differently than what the world or the political agenda may see in in ministering to others. And, and there's a great ministry field that is out there. So um, we want to be able to... to you know, take what the New Testament says, take the application of what we just read there in chapter, you know, 22 of Exodus, because it really shows us God's heart towards the widow, towards the father, uh, fatherless, towards the poor. Right, because, um, you know, one gentleman told me, he goes, well, all you need to remember is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, you are, you are to love others as I love you. And that's pretty much where they put the end to it. And so, I mean, I, I believe everything that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, Bible know-all guy. Um, right. But, you know, God's obviously putting certain things in my life for me to dissect and, and find out about. That's why I decided to call. Well, you know, and the thing is, is, you know, if anybody gives the idea of we need to ignore the Old Testament um, and just uh, focus on the New Testament and read the New Testament— I don't agree with that. All of God's Word is profitable, is Amen. what Paul writes. Amen. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one. 
and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. So Amen. that's why I go through all of the books of the Bible. Matter of fact, we just started on, on Wednesday nights, we started the Minor Prophets, Hosea. When we get done with Malachi, that's the second time that I've had the privilege to take the congregation through all of the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible. So all of God's Word is important, and we can say that we're not under the law, these laws given to Israel, but there is moral um, you know, principles that are there, application to be made. We can gain from it. It's like Leviticus. I've even had pastors tell me that you shouldn't read the book of Leviticus. It's irrelevant. It doesn't apply to us. It's a waste of time. And I think, are you kidding me? Yeah, the book I've of Leviticus— heard. Yeah, the book of Leviticus is to teach us how to serve and worship and obey a holy God. I want to know how to serve and worship and obey a holy God. And we see Jesus in the you know Old Testament. It points to him. It's fulfilled by him. It speaks of him. And so we gain so much. So we do want to make sure that we pay attention to the Old Testament. And all of the canon of Scripture is, of course, very, very important for us to, to take in and to consider and to study. That's awesome. You just made totally made my day. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's a great need. I, I think it's a great need in the church today is Bible study. So, um, But, uh, you, you know, we don't want to ignore what God's Word has to say in any part. And, you know, those books, aren't they? I, I think that uh, you would agree, Chuck, are so rich and so valuable. Yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of heart heartwarming stuff in there, and yeah. uh, you know, and, being a being a pretty much you know new believer myself, and like in the last six years, you know, uh, Jesus left the ninety nine and saved me. I lived homeless for about three and a half years out in California myself. So when I heard mm-hmm. that, and I heard about the poor and widows, and 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 you know anybody that seeks out to do harm towards them, you know, it really kind of stuck with me. And so it got me kind of just dissecting things and asking questions. And then and then, then I found myself debating with brothers that I sit with on a Wednesday evening, you know, gathering. And, you know, it pretty much telling me, you know, well, that was then, this is now. And, you know, it's, you know, so I, I disagree myself, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to de- debate stuff about God. I just wanted something with a little more, you know, clarity on it to shed light on it for me, and you did just that, and I appreciate that. You bet. All right. Thank you for calling. Appreciate okay, your question, Okay, we'll talk Chuck. to you again soon. Have a blessed day. You bet. It is James chapter 1, verse 27. That's what I was looking for. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father assists to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Good advice. Um, we have, I believe, um, all open lines. Um, and uh, Dominic, sorry that you couldn't hold. If you get a chance to call back, please call me back. So we got all open lines. We've been busy with the phone lines the first half. So now's the time we're getting ready to go to break. So grab one of those open lines. And uh, let's talk about the things of the Lord. Ask your questions, give your prayer requests. And uh, 303-690-3000, you're going to hear the music here. It's the only break of the show. And then we're going to come back. So I'd love to talk to you. 
Love to talk to you about the things of the Lord, 303-690-3000. The text line is 720-336-0897. So give me a call. This is Calvary Live, and and we're going to continue with the things of the Lord. It blesses me so much to hear people that are studying the Word of God, and, and especially when they say, I'm a new Christian. Study the Word. Keep growing in the Word. We need the Word of God. All of it is inspired by Him. God breathed, put to the page, and we have the privilege to be able to go to the Word of God to gain godly wisdom and knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ. So you hear the music. We're going to go to break. 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you. So blessed to be with you and uh, what a privilege it is to be able to minister to you. And so we got a couple open lines. We're going to go back to the phone lines. Grab one of those open lines. Got plenty of time for you to be able to ask your questions or give your prayer requests. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. That's for texting only. And then the call-in number is 303-690-3000. We'd love for you to call, have the conversation over the uh, radio. I want to welcome everyone who's tuned in to Calvary Live uh, on this Tuesday afternoon or evening, wherever you're at. And I'm um, so blessed to be with you, and um, and um, we just are looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Just a real quick announcement that on Sunday mornings that we are in Matthew's Gospel here at Calvary Greeley, we're going to go into chapter 23 this Sunday, the 8th of August, and it's the final rebuke that Jesus has to the religious leaders. The religious leaders, ever since Jesus came into Jerusalem uh, for Passover, his final days before his crucifixion, that they have been trying to find a reason to accuse him. And Jesus, he gives this final rebuke to them. Then he will dismiss himself from his public ministry. He will dismiss himself from uh, the religious leaders. He will give what is called in chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse. So we're going to look at spiritual hypocrisy um, as he rebukes the religious leaders, which is very important for us to understand what is spiritual hypocrisy. Uh, because people get very, you know, um, upset or frustrated what they see, what they can't see in the church today. So we want to recognize spiritual hypocrisy. We want to actually, those eight woes, line it up with the eight beatitudes of what we should really be about. It's a wonderful study. And then he weeps over Jerusalem because your house is left to you desolate. I was wanting to draw you to myself, but you would not come. And he says that you won't see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what does that mean? He's speaking of a future time, and he's speaking about the time when they will receive him as Messiah. That is a prelude to chapter 24, which is called the Olivet Discourse. So if you're in the Greeley area, or if you'd like to just watch us live, or live stream our service, um, calvarychapelgreeley.org, O-R-G, we're going to be going over to Olivet Discourse, and we're going to be talking about the signs of the end. 
and we're going to be talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, the tribulation period. We're going to be talking about all those things. And it's important for us to be discerning of the days in which we are in. So I invite you, invite you um, to um, to uh, listen in. If you're in the Greeley area, we'd love to meet you. 8, 9, 30, 11, three morning services, children's ministry at all three services. Check us out our location on our website, calvarychapelgreeleyoneword.org, and love to meet you and serve you in any way that we can. So looking forward to that. Wednesday night, you can tune in to Hosea as we're going through the book of Hosea and our online service, lots of other things that are taking place, and uh, so we're looking forward to all that. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Got a couple open lines. Let's go to Rick in Aurora. Hi, Rick. Hello, Pastor Jeff. Uh, how are you? How are fine. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Absolutely. I just want to uh, give you an update that I asked for a prayer for my daughter. She's pregnant. Now she had a baby, mm-hmm. and the baby is 22 inches long and 10.2 ounces. Big guy. <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. So what was the weight of the baby again? 10.2 ounces or pound, 10 pounds and 2 ounces. <laughs> big you, guy. Know, you know, Rick, he was a big guy. My fourth son that was born, he was 10 pounds, 5 ounces. No, uh, that's a bigger he, one. <laughs> that's, <laughs> but here's the thing. He's 21 right now, and he's tall oh. and skinny skinny as a rail. <laughs> so so oh. congrats, congratulations, and so happy thank you, for Jeff, you. Apostle Jeff, and thank you for your prayers. I appreciate that one. God bless hey, you can, and what you're doing. Thank you, you bet. very much. Hey, Rick. Rick, can we go ahead and pray for your, your grandson, Ezra, and for your daughter? Please, yes. Thank you very much. Father, I just pray for the good news. Rick, he updated us, and we were praying for uh, 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 a healthy baby and 10 pounds, 2 ounces. Uh, we thank you for Ezra, and Lord, I thank you for his name, um, a biblical name. I thank you for Rick and, and just his his love that he has for his daughter and for his grandson. I just pray that you would bless his family. I pray for Ezra that that he would grow to know you. He would come to to have the word of God be placed in his heart, be uh, with uh, the whole family. As I thank you that uh, he is uh, coming into this world with Christian influence, uh, Christian grandfather. Uh, daughter, all that. I just pray that you administer to them, and uh, Lord, that their hearts would continue to be full of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor. God bless you. Thanks, Rick. God bless you. Thank you. You too. You bet. Ten pounds, two ounces. That is a big boy. So, like I said, my fourth one, he's 21 now. He's tall and skinny. He was 10 pounds, five ounces, but he was a couple of weeks late, so what a blessing. We've had a bunch of uh, babies born here at Calvary Chapel Greeley lately. I just love it. I just love seeing babies. I've done a number of baby dedications this summer. You know, for a while we didn't do that last year. And What a privilege it is to bring parents up or grandparents and to dedicate these children to the Lord and parents saying we want to raise our children in the ways of the Lord. 
uh, ah, what a privilege. It's one of my favorite things to do is, uh, you know, those things, uh, baptisms and baby dedications and, and, and weddings, um, that, that's the joy of pastoring. It's, it's not just always, you know, my main gift and, and responsibility is to teach the Word of God and to do that. But also I get the privilege to just do things like um, baptisms and baby dedications and things like that to minister to families. And I just want to encourage you that you don't have to be a pastor, um, but you can teach children in the children's ministry. You can you know, minister to the little ones. You can volunteer, help people, make a meal for them. You get to invest in people's lives and to bless them in so many ways. And all of us have opportunity to do that. And you will find joy coming into your heart. I always tell people that are down and discouraged and just even depressed, you know, if you can, serve somebody. Serve people. Serve, you know, and and reach out and um, there's all kinds of practical things to do, and you're going to see the Lord minister to your heart. That's what happened to Elijah. He's in the cave. He's saying, Lord, there's no one left but me. And the Lord said, why are you here, Elijah? And and I got things for you to do. And, um, and so I just want to encourage you in that. You have opportunity to serve people in the days in which we are in and in the body of Christ to be a blessing, and it is a blessing. So I just, that thought, I hope maybe that's a word for somebody right now that's listening, that you just need to hear that. And and um, and we do get to minister to people just the love of Jesus Christ and in very practical ways. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Pennsylvania. George has been waiting on line two. George? Yes. How are you? That's how you doing. I'm doing good. Okay. Um, did you get the question? I did get the question. You want to go ahead and repeat it, or do you just yeah, want yeah, to actually, answer actually, it? Yeah, actually, again, because I'm reading Genesis. I'm starting over again, and I'm reading Genesis. And I get to the point where, where, where um, Cain kills Abel. Now, God then tells him he's got to leave the Garden of Eden. He tells him, he says, I'm going to seal you so no one kills you, because he's worried about being killed now. But later I'm reading, and it says, and he made love to his wife. Who was his wife? Yeah, and people ask that. It's like, and I think one of the things that people think, they think, well, was there other civilizations where there's other people that are around? And there's no indication of that. Right. As Adam and Eve were the first, right? They were right. the first one. The Bible's very clear about that. The yeah. first man, Adam, and then uh, came Eve. And they had Abel, they had Cain, but also got to remember a couple factors. Number one is they lived to be long age. Right. They lived to be hundreds of years old. Um, so they could have had a number of children. Second of all, the gene pool was, was pure enough to where, obviously, that Cain would end up marrying um, his sister. Um, right. Or perhaps if there were generations that already started, because we don't have a timetable of this. Sometimes we think that, you know, that uh, Eve sent 10 minutes after, you know, Adam and Eve were created. Here came the serpent. It could have been years. could have been years that, you know, Adam was there enjoying fellowship with the Lord in the cool of the day. He saw that it wasn't good for Adam. The first time that he said, this is not good, 
for Adam to be alone. He made Eve. We don't know how the timetable was from Eve to to uh, Adam was when the sin came. But then after they sinned, she had children, and we don't know how many children that she had, um, but it, it could have been a number of years, a number of time that went by. And so obviously it was the offspring of Adam and Eve that he ended up marrying. I do not believe um, that there, you know, people come up with theories. Well, there was other civilizations that the Bible doesn't talk about. The Bible doesn't make that clear. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply the earth. And that's what they did. And and that's how it started. So, Okay. Okay. I, I have another question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, reading in, in Matthew, I believe it was, uh, where it says, it says, and Jesus went down, apparently to hell, after his resurrection, and he took the keys, and it says, and he preached to them. Who got saved? Well, at that time, you're reading from Ephesians, right? Right. Ephesians chapter 5, I believe, um, before he um, ascended, he first descended, right. is what we read there. And right. what, hap- what happened at that time was um, that actually, yeah, in chapter 4, but he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Right. But as we, we know that, read Luke chapter 16. Go back and read Luke ch- chapter 16. And in that, you have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Right. And they both died. One. Yeah. And the rich man went to the the part of the unrighteous dead. There was a right. chasm and then Abraham's bosom. So Jesus on the cross, he told the thief on the cross that before the sun is set, you'll be with me in paradise. So right. the other part was called Abraham's bosom or paradise. So right. Jesus goes down into paradise and he proclaims captive freedom. This is what you guys have been waiting for. You look forward to the cross, and now I've died for your sins. He would present his blood in the heavenly tabernacle. It was it was accepted, and now that chamber is empty. So Paul comes along, and he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so now when a Christian breathes their last and closes their eyes, they go to be with the Lord in heaven. That other compartment the the of uh, the unrighteous dead will be resurrected at the right. end of the millennium reign at the great white throne judgment so that's what it's speaking about he before he ascended he first descended he you know he led captivity captive this is what you guys have been waiting for um and we're going to go to heaven and uh so now all those are in heaven and then you have the whole subject of the resurrection which is another subject when we get our new heavenly body so hopefully that helps yeah, no, actually, that helps very much because, again, myself, I'm thinking to myself, and I, I've said it out loud before, if we preach and people get saved, if my Lord, my Jesus preaches, someone's getting saved. You know what I mean? <laughs> someone's going to give their heart to the Lord, you know? And you, I, you know the, yeah. No matter where. And you know the wonderful thing, George, is yes. when the Lord comes back to rule and reign, we get to see him. You know, and what it tells us, you know, in Ezekiel, that the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth, yes. and and the knowledge of the Lord is going to fill the earth, and righteousness is going to fill the earth as waters cover the sea, Isaiah. So that's going to be a glorious time when that happens when we're with them. Appreciate it, George. Appreciate your question. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. God bless you. 
God bless you as well. 303-690-3000. We're going to move along. Let's go to Susanna in Greeley. Hi, Susanna. Hi. Can we so pray I for just you? had a prayer request. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to ask the question, but um, sometimes I feel like people wish bad on my family. And um, I feel like there's you... people that believe in other things. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. No, you're good. And, and I consist- just needed a prayer. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's hard. And it's hard when we have family members and people that we care about and love that are turning to worldly things or turning to things that are, are not of God, and it breaks our heart, doesn't it? It just mm-hmm. breaks our heart, Susanna. And one of the things that we're in, and then I'm going to pray for you, is we're in the book of Hosea on Wednesday night. Hosea was told to take a wife and... You know, it went really bad, and she was a wife of harlotry, and and God was, you know, um, said, Hosea, you're to take her back, and you're to love her. And then she had another child of harlotry, and he was heartbroken. But in that, he would give a message that wasn't easy to a nation. But the Lord wanted him to know this, that what you're feeling, Hosea, is what I'm feeling to a nation that has committed spiritual harlotry, that won't follow after me. He's gone after other things. God's heart was broken. Sometimes we think that God's up in heaven rubbing his hands and going, ha-ha, I can't wait to, you know, zap these people. Or, you know, he his heart is broken. Jeremiah gave a difficult message. He was called the weeping prophet. Even, you know, Isaiah talks about how tears would run down his cheeks because of, of the message they had to give. And even this Sunday here in Greeley, we're going to see that Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you to myself as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing to come. And now your house is left to you desolate, and you won't see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord was weeping because they knew that in a very short time that they were going to cry out, Crucify him. So you're hurting for those that you love and care. The Lord knows what you're feeling. So, Father, I pray for Susanna. I just pray as her heart breaks for family. Um, It it can be so difficult um, when we have loved ones that aren't responding, when there's friction, when there's um, tension in the family, when there's um, separation, spiritual attack that comes, whatever it may be. You know exactly what she's going through. And I just pray that you would comfort her heart and that she would look to you. And, Lord, that you would bless her, give her wisdom to minister to her family and those that she loves. And, Lord, I just pray that she would know that you are with her. Show yourself strong on her behalf. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, so one question. Um, mm-hmm. How would you feel about, like, people, like, reaching bad on you? Like, like, um, like, let's say you get in an argument with somebody and whoever you get on, on that argument with believes in other things. I don't know why they call them like those people that read your, like your future. I don't know. Yeah. 
it's occultic kinds of practices, tarot cards, okay. you know, other things like that. The Bible's very clear that we're not to be involved in those things. And you can read from the Old Testament, you know, to the New Testament, witchcraft, you know, Wicca's very big today, and, um, you know, occultic practices, channeling, calling, you know, the, the psychic hotlines, things like that. And it's not of God, it is deceptive. And we were told as Christians to stay away and, and to minister to them, to let them know this, Susanna, that there is a God, an all-knowing, loving God. He knows the future. He knows the end from the beginning. And he has a wonderful plan if you'll turn to him and look to him. These things are deceptive. These things, you know, behind them is lies and the enemy Satan and, and deception and all of that. And they may not understand that or agree with it, but you can explain to them that there's a loving God. His word is true, and he loves you so much. He died for you, and he wants to save you, and he wants to give you his wisdom. And Paul talks about to in Colossians chapter 2, don't be cheated. Don't be cheated by man's philosophy and traditions of men and, and, and all of this, because in Christ is hidden all the wisdom, uh, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I think a lot of people get into those things because they want to know the future, right? They want to know the future. They want to know what's going to happen, you know, and it's just, it's phony baloney. And the thing is, the Lord knows and to have faith in him and he numbers our days and he has a wonderful future for us. And that is heaven. And that we can, you know, get encourage them in that. You don't have to argue. You just simply open up the Bible and say, this is what God's Word has to say. I want to give you Psalm 149. I was thinking that as I was praying for you, that the Lord in Psalm 145, it's the last Psalm of David, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his works. And the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. And he will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him. Listen, he's going to preserve you. He's going to work in you. Open up the Bible. Give them truth. That's what you do. Because here's the thing, Susanna. There is power in the Word of God. And there is power in the Gospel. So give them the Gospel. Give them the Word of God. Let the Word of God do its work in their hearts. All right? Thank you. That's what I needed to hear. Okay. Um, but you, sometimes I don't know how to feel, and I it makes me more um, sad that mm-hmm. sometimes it comes from you know your own, yeah. your family, own family or friends. And yeah, because you you love them and you care for them, you keep loving them, you keep caring for them, you love them enough to give them truth, and you give them the word of God. Just let the word of God do its work, and you pray for them. All right. Because there's power in prayer. Okay, don't stop praying for them. All right? You keep growing in the Word of God yourself, and the Lord's going to guide you in in what to say to them. All righty? Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, you call me back anytime. Okay, thank you. You bet, Susanna. Man, we need to minister to our friends and family the Word of God, because people... There's a lot of voices out there that they're giving ear to. Let's go to Joseph in Wheat Ridge. 
Hi, Joseph. Hello, Pastor. Hello, Pastor. It's good to hear your voice again. Well, thank you. Thanks for waiting. So this is a prayer for myself. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to be 45 years old, but I've never been married. So if it's God's will for me to find a wife, I hope uh, it happens, because I feel like I'm running out of time. Well, I've known I've known guys that the Lord, uh, I got a good friend, you know, he was a worship leader. He was, you know, years ago, I haven't talked to him for a while, you know, and I think he was older before he got married, but the Lord blessed him. And, um, you know, he doesn't withhold anything that's good for us, but there's nothing wrong with having that desire either. So, Father, I just pray for Joseph as he's in his 40s, and if it's your will that you would bring him a, a wife, and, Lord, that he waits for you, and, Lord, he just, um, this is desire, his supplication. And, Lord, I just pray that if it's your will that you would bring one and the right woman at the right time, um, and, Lord, that he would just trust you for everything. And so, Lord, we lift this all up to you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Figs. I just want to say this. You know, I heard you say that uh, you, are, you are a twin. Yes. Okay, so the reason why I say I feel like I'm running out of time, you know, is not necessarily myself, it's my mother. You know, I want her to be a grandmother, so if I'm going to have children, I need to be married first, so thus, you know, so that's why it's for my mother, actually. And, um, you know, so I keep saying my name is Joseph, but my birth name is Tokumbo, you know, so my dad was from Nigeria, West Africa, and oh, I understand okay. that uh, the, the Yoruba culture is the... The birth weight of twins is very high in Yoruba culture. So if by God's grace I get married soon, maybe I'll have twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would bless your mother, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. So, Joseph, <laughs> hey, keep, keep it in prayer. The Lord knows all. And, um, and, you know, if it's Lord's will, he will bring you and just keep praying. Thank you, sir. Have a blessed week. Thank you. You bet, Joseph. Okay, bye-bye. All right. I know about that grandparent thing because, you know, I'm still waiting to be a grandpa and Lord willing, someday it will be. And, and, uh, but it's all in God's timing. We trust him in everything, don't we? Hey, we're getting close to the end. I think we're out of, um, we've got all open lines, but we're getting close to, uh, the end of the show. I've uh, got some, um, one of the text lines that came in. I just want to answer it very quickly before we go off the air. I feel a call to be a pastor. How do I prepare and please pray for me? Father, we do pray for this one who is feels a call to be a pastor so you would guide them and direct them. And Lord, I just pray that you would just minister to them. And um, and Lord, I just pray uh, for your hand to be upon them because the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So that you would work in him and then work through him um, to bring him to that place where, you, you know, you got a calling on his life to be fulfilled in your and We just pray that you would prepare him in Jesus' name. Kind of the thing about how we prepare is, is interesting. Leviticus chapter 9, there was the preparation of the priests. Um, I believe, no, Leviticus chapter 8. And then Leviticus chapter 9, there was the presentation of the priests. So whatever ministry that you're called to do, whether it's a pastor or, you know, teaching, or whatever it might be, the Lord's going to prepare you for that. And sometimes we can get impatient, but just let the Lord work in being a pastor. 
Study the Word of God. That's going to be very important. Be one that you're ministering to people in that place where you can serve people, you know, serve in your church. Um, You know, it may begin teaching the children. I remember Pastor Chuck said he would give advice. If you can get the children to understand you, then you can get adults to understand you. But just keep moving forward in those opportunities given to you and um, being available, just being available, growing in the Word of God, having a heart for people, and just maturing in the Lord in every way. And, um, and the Lord will get you where you need to be, and, um, and He'll do that work in you because it's the work of the Spirit, isn't it? And whatever it is that we do and whatever we're called to do. So um, for you who text that in, um, you keep praying, keep allowing the Lord to work in you and then through you, and um, and just he'll fulfill the ministry that he has for you. And it's so wonderful. I'm, I'm going to leave with this, that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that Paul writes, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in us will bring it to completion. And I love that because I can relax and know that the Lord, you've done a work in me, and the work that you've begun in me, you are going to bring it to completion. I don't have to strive and strain and try to make it happen. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hey, thank you, everybody. God bless you. Have a great evening. So glad to have us with you this hour. Looking forward to the next time we're together. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.